Our next guest is Chrissy McGarry. She is the Chief Operating Officer at Second Front Systems, a national security software company. Just think tech defense. I absolutely had to talk to her because her... <laughs> Her background and her career trajectory, like you would just not really picture these, this type of a, of a background, like getting someone to where she is right now. I mean, she started out in the beverage industry. Uh, I believe it was like marketing, selling wine. And then fast forward and now she's the COO of like a national security software company, which is wild, okay? So wild to me because in this interview, she she's kind of talking about how a lot of the people she works with and that are in the industry are mili have military backgrounds. And you know, she is a civilian and she has no military background. So it's like, I can just picture Chrissy walking into these rooms <laughs> and being like, you know, super confident, funny, radiant self that she is like among, you know, a bunch of very serious people. And she's just like, you know, hey, I'm a civilian, but uh, I know a lot of things and I have a lot to say. So here you go. Uh <laughs> She does a great job breaking down in this interview, like how she is able to channel all of these, like these steps for confidence and, you know, battling imposter syndrome and like really just building relationships in the workplace so that people can get a sense of who you are as a person and how that translates into really great, uh, you know, skills of being able to work with her coworkers and manage people and so on and so forth. Um, if at all you are interested in Chrissy after this interview, check her out on her LinkedIn and Medium, which we'll definitely link to both of those in our uh, description. If you follow So She Slays, she will also be tagged in the podcast promotion as well, so you can follow her Instagram. But if tech defense is at all, you know, building a curiosity for you, I would definitely say go check out her company's podcast. She told us that her, her company has the podcast called All Quiet on the Second Front Podcast. And, you know, it may be over my head because it's very, like, tech defense, you know, I'm sure lingo and all that kind of stuff. But she did say that the host is pretty funny. So funny host, serious subject, you know, they may give it a shot. You never know. Anywho, I hope you find this podcast as inspiring as I did. You know, Chrissy's just full of great information in general when it, when it comes to like, you know, just finding confidence in yourself, but then also like learning how to navigate in a male-dominated industry. And, you know, I love being able to talk to all of these different women from all of these different backgrounds because it's just proof to me that the future is definitely female. Hey, Slay Nation, it's your host, Heather. I'm back with another episode of the So She Slays podcast. And I'm super excited to kind of talk about this, this subject a little bit more. We always talk about, you know, male-dominated industries and, you know, women making their mark in it. Well, our next guest, Chrissy McGarry, she did just that. I mean, she's doing it right now. She's doing it. Um, Chrissy, give us a little intro. Thank you, Heather. I appreciate it. Happy to be here with you today. Hi, everyone. Chrissy McGarry here. I am um, born and raised South Bend, Indiana. I am a Midwestern girl through and through. I have three older brothers and a younger sister and, um, you know, competitive by nature and genuinely curious about all things. So uh, growing up in the Midwest, going to school in the Midwest, it only seemed appropriate for me to make my way um, out West for a few years. So 
After graduating from college, I made my way to California. I worked for E&J Gala Winery. I was in the beverage industry for about five and a half years with them and Red Bull, and then um, got into the tech space. So that's when I started um, working with Motorola Solutions, Zebra Technologies, Salesforce, and now I am at Second Front Systems. So it was neat to go from one industry to another. So I was going to say, these are all drastically different industries. She's like, in case you haven't noted, like what she's, she's the chief operating officer for a national security software company. So the fact that she started out in wine, like, (laughs) (laughs) right, right. So started out in wine and eventually made my way to hardware, then software, and then the defense tech space. So it's only natural progression. I was like that. That's not jumping around (laughs) at all. (laughs) No, but what's neat is along the way, obviously have always continued to ask a ton of questions, always been curious about all the opportunities that fall out there, the different industries, you know, called on many mentors, chatted with many friends. It's funny how I got into tech. I was actually driving from my brother's house in Chicago to downtown. There was a a tasting event and I was with, um, and his buddy was in the back seat and I was asking him what he did. And at the time he was at Motorola. And I said, you guys taking resumes kind of as a joke, but he, because I had the sales background and this curiosity, he was like, actually send it over to me. We might have some opportunities for you. So that's kind of what flung me into the tech space. I submitted my resume and three months later found myself traveling along the outskirts of Indiana and Kentucky was my territory. Um, and that's how I got into the tech space. So, um, yeah, I, I kinda, guess. Okay. Is- did you have any interest in this at all? Or did you just, are you like one of those people where like an opportunity presents itself and then you're like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> I am to an extent, right? I think the interest was, well, everyone kind of asks me when you looked at your career and what you wanted to do, how did you assess it? And one of the number one things was in good times and in bad, what are people purchasing? Because at that point in time, sales and marketing was my um, forte. So, and in good times and in bad, people are purchasing booze and technology. So it was only natural to progress. I mean, facts, like the pandemic is like one of those ways. And I was like, booze and technology, definitely. Right. So everyone's going to be purchasing those and I know how to sell both of them. So it um, definitely a learning curve in regards to understanding the back end systems and learning the operation side from the hardware standpoint and then getting into the software, understanding contracts and all of that jazz. But, you know, over a few years, um, you know, just built out my my tool set, so to speak, went back and got got my MBA and then. Um, As I was having my first of two boys, um, the CEO and founder of Second Front, Peter Dixon, he reached out to me. He was a good friend for years prior to. He was passing through the Detroit area, which is where I now reside with my husband, Matt, and two boys. And he's like, hey, Chrissy, you and Matt want to go grab some dinner tonight? So sure. So what I thought was, you know, a normal gathering with uh, a friend of mine turned into a, a secret co-op, I would joke with him, of him trying to see where my interests lie and in joining the team. So about a month later was when I actually joined Second Front. Oh my gosh. Okay. So <clears throat> I feel like security in general, like especially like tech, I would say security and tech, okay? 
those are very male dominated industries. And for you to become like a chief operating officer in, in these sectors, I mean, like, cause you do both. I mean, like your company is both like it's, it's, it's security <laughs> and it's also like tech. So I can't imagine there's a lot of women. How did you like, how, what, how was that trajectory? Yeah. So the company was founded by three former Marines, all male. And, um, but for me, where some might see that to be at a deterrence or an annoyance. Because you don't have a military background, right? You're just I don't, civilian. right? So no, I have zero military background or um, national security experience. You're like, I'm just a Midwest girl who sold wine and just like, <laughs> I came here. There's a lot of things that happened in between, but like, this is where I ended up. <laughs> yes. And not, I kind of know how to so- uh, slang some software too, but you know, <laughs> um, no, but it was cool because the way I looked at it was like, instead of it you know, being off-putting, as some might see it, to me, it was, oh, cool, this is an opportunity. There's not many ladies here. Let's see what this thing is all about. Um, let me connect with the ladies that are here because they're amazing individuals and women that are in the defense tech space, um, brilliant and sophisticated and fun. I, you know, there's, there's a plethora of them now from when I first started. And I just see it continuing to grow and build. So for me, it was an opportunity to, you know, jump into, and then also in turn, make space for some others. Mm. Okay. How, how is it like now? I mean, I mean, like there has to be, what's the, what's the ratio of men and women in the, in not, no, not just in your company, but you would say like in the actual industry of this, like there cannot be a whole bunch of women. There's a there's a fair amount. It depends on what event or meeting or conference is being held, right? So it's going to be dependent on um, what the conversations are are about. I will say there has been a huge shift, at least in the last four and a half years, that I have witnessed and seen on ensuring that there are um, more women a part of the conversations, being invited to participate in whether it's panels or podcasts or fireside mm-hmm. chats or you know um there's just a, there's so many different things that are going on and, and you could tell that there are there's more awareness to casting that wider net across the defense tech space and even more and not just for women I think too predominantly at least for us about 50 50 percent of our company are veterans and the other 50 civilians and that's even cooler for me to witness um is to see the amount of private sector individuals coming into this space, despite not knowing much about it or that it even existed more or less. Cause I sure, sure. I mean, obviously we know it exists, but you don't think about it, or at least I didn't until I met the team and, you know, understood what it is that the mission was and what we were driving towards. So, yeah. So I almost want to say too, like, I, I, I grew up around a lot of boys. And so like, I'm very used to being the only girl or one of few. Um, But I know that there's a lot of women out there who are just like, how did you even have the confidence? Or like, how do you how did you like make space for yourself? Like, Mm -hmm. because I mean, I I don't work in this industry, but I can just imagine like three ex military Marines just like, arms folded, standing at the front of the room. And it's like, that's that's not the most welcoming image. 
You know, it's interesting. A lot of people have asked me on the side, right? What's it really like, Chrissy? Right, right. What you, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, but what do you mean? Because it didn't occur to me that it should have been anything other than what it has been, which has mm -hmm. been a super fruitful experience. Um, all the gentlemen that I work with are um, the utmost respectful and have, you know, done amazing things for our country. And I am very admirable of them. I think the number one thing that I started out doing right out of the gates with every single one of them individually is developing a personal relationship. So they got to know me and I got to know them and um, establishing, you know, what we have in common or what our work, work preferences are for how we communicate. Um, what are those things that they enjoy doing? Who are those important people in their lives? Asking stuff other than about work, right? what do you do on the weekend? When's your next vacation planned for? How are your kids? And that has enabled me to establish relationships quick and well, so that when tougher things percolate, which they do, and that's in any industry, right? This isn't a second front problem. This isn't a defense tech problem. I think it's anywhere, right? There's going to be challenging situations that are going to face not just women, anyone, right? And if if you've got sound relationships and somewhat of a rapport, it will smooth out those more challenging situations where you're either asking to sit at the table because you just want situational awareness or you're raising your hand to attend the closing dinner for the big deal or you've never gone shooting to the gun range before and you are, <laughs> you're really nervous about it, but everyone's going to be there and it's a networking opportunity. So you're going to go and you're going to hang out and, you know, be, be okay with everyone feeling comfortable about yourself. So, um, you know, it, it just, honestly, it's just developing those relationships right out of the gates and um, just trusting your natural instincts for knowing that those are sound sound enough too, so that you can, you know, ask some of those tougher questions or bring up certain things that might be a little bit more uncomfortable. I would almost say like just naturally in, in hearing you talk to, I, I would say that you kind of come across as more of a very confident person, self-assured person, very like you, you can stand your ground because you feel like you know what you're talking about and your, your voice matters. Um, would you agree? <laughs> no, I definitely feel that way. Um, it is not always that way and it will continue to evolve and change. It takes a lot of deliberate practice, um, to build that confidence. How, For, how did you do that? That was going to yeah. be the question because like that is deliberate. Look, I mean, you can be the confident, like I, I pride myself on being pretty confident myself, but there are times when I walk into those rooms and I'm just like, Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, being prepared, being prepared means a lot of things and a lot of different things to a lot of different individuals. For me, being prepared, um, knowing who's going to be sitting at the table, doing some research and understanding where they might be coming from, what are the goals or the problem sets that are being tackled? Um, what are some questions out of the gate? What are things that you should probably know or get put out prior to those conversations so that you can come in at a, at a good level or impact um, level, so to speak. And then um, asking for feedback, even though you know it might be a little bit of a gut punch, um, especially with not just getting it from your, your boss, so to speak, that's important, but your peers. I think that's even harder is getting that feedback and being able to stomach it and, and asking for it. 
and being truly vulnerable and desiring to, to want to do better and be better as a teammate. Um, obviously that helps you as an individual, but you know, the end goal is, is to run and operate as a team, as a cohesive team. So, um, yeah, prepping and then getting, getting that feedback from your peers. I say, those are like the two main things that I focus on and I regularly practice. So once you get that feedback, um, is it just like, then you address accordingly, you, you kind of figure out ways in which you can do better or like, yeah, I mean, I ask a ton of questions once I get it and they either give me a situation of when I might did, did, or didn't do something or how I said this, but I should have said that, so to speak. Um, I, I talk through it and I'm genuinely curious about how I can be better, not necessarily trying to defend myself in what I did. Obviously some of that might occur, However, really trying to understand their perspective and their point of view, and then not pretending that we didn't have the conversation, right? So it it might seem like the natural way is you have this really vulnerable feedback conversation, and then you just move on and you forget, like everyone pretends it doesn't happen. Um, rather than uh, doing that, I point back to it. It's like, hey, when you told me that one time, this is what I'm going to now do. Does that, does that fit what you were thinking? Am I on the right path? Or like, hey, some time has progressed. How have I been doing with X? I recall you remember that time we talked about it. I, I've been trying to put that into practice. Not only does that cross check to make sure you're going in the right direction, but it's also, I mean, it's really assuring that you actually care about what the person had to say. Mm. So it helps. Well, I mean, exactly. Because it's like, I feel like a lot of times in corporate life, I kind of feel like that that's the way you do it, right? You get this feedback and then you just never talk about it ever. <laughs> um, and right. sometimes even with life, like you get this feedback and everybody's like, okay, moving on. Um, so <laughs> whether that's healthy or not, you know, that's up for debate. Right. Um, but I am so interested in kind of talking a little bit more about how you've managed to rise so far into this industry without having all of the experience that yeah. all like the other leaders have have had and like what part that plays because I would say in being prepared right you're like oh I don't have as much experience as they do in a b and c right that may be a good thing but that may be a bad thing too like and how do you mm -hmm. how did you find yourself managing that and then rising to where you are yeah so there's three major things that we kind of focus on here at Second Front. Um, specifically, I think it just comes from the fact that by nature, we're a startup. So there's a lot of autonomy. Um, there's um, a lot of relatedness and competency that comes into play. And once you have a good cohesion of each of those things, you then have the confidence to go out, make these decisions and solve for these problems. More often than not, one of those three things is missing at certain points of time. So it's up to the individual. And this is how I've been maneuvering myself. I actually, I believe this whole concept comes from Whitney Johnson's smart growth. Uh, she talks about it at, at, in one of her stages. But at least for me, as I was coming into this role, right? So I didn't start off as CEO, right? It was over four and a half years that I grew into this position, which I know doesn't necessarily happen for everyone, but I was fortunate enough to have it happen for me, um, not only because of the point in time of which we evolved as an organization, but also key things that kind of happened along the way. Um, picking up projects that didn't necessarily fall in my lane, but recognized it was something that needed to be done. Having 
conversations with mentors or individuals who have come before us in certain arenas and getting advice and asking them how they did it at that point in time with their companies, um, learning how to better delegate and, and, you know, trust people to get things done and not be the one to, you know, the tendency is you got to, if it's your job, you got to do, do everything and it's all got to be perfect. And, you know, holding on to things in the control. And as we've evolved, it's been crazy. Every, almost every role I've had, we've now hired into, which is crazy to think about, right? I started out as the BDR rep, the sales rep, the marketing person, the partnerships and alliances. And and now we have individuals in each of those roles. So um, it's been really neat to somewhat map out whether it was framework or ground foundation and then hand off those projects and being okay with someone who has more expertise and experience to take those things and make it better than what you can imagine, right? I mean, that's the goal and the hope. Um, so along with, you know, that those three things I mapped out, the the competency, autonomy, and um, relatedness, you, you have this other layer of, okay, now you just got to trust, right? You just got to let it go and and let it flow because you can't you can't control all the things. Um so that's definitely one of the things that has carried me through. And then some of the stuff is natural instincts and things that just happen. Um unfortunately it was almost a year ago our one of our co-founders and president passed away. Mm. And um there was a lot that fell to the wayside once he had passed. And without even really thinking about it, I knew it was now my responsibility to take it on. And it was it was really tough because simultaneously, I was obviously grieving a loss of a boss, a mentor, someone who I truly looked up to. Um, but I had no time to necessarily sit with that for too long because I also knew him being the former Marine that he was that he wouldn't want me to just, you know, retreat that he would want me to keep fighting, you know, the battle for, for the company and for the individuals that were, um, you know, here at second front. So it was neat to be somewhat forced and, you know, a sudden, uh, change in flow, but to somehow figure it out. And, you know, again, calling on people, trying to reorient myself, learning new things. So I think it's a combination of, you know, referencing things and, I don't know, just kind of going with the flow and trusting your instincts as as things occur. Okay, so in trusting your instincts, though, but also operating in a male-dominated industry, how has it been that, like, you've, you've helped to make space or maybe make it a little bit more comfortable for other women that work along with you, like, for their needs, for you know, things that they may be uncomfortable trying to bring some light to, because here's the thing is like, whether you're a men, women, whatever, the thing is, is there's always going to be one person who's probably a little bit more confident of taking the lead mm -hmm. and saying something first, but there's like, there's like a whole slew of people behind you who wish they had that, but like, yeah. are just really thankful that you just did it. <laughs> yeah. So like I said earlier, developing like personal relationships and I understand it can be nerve wracking. I've been there and I'm still there sometimes, right? Every now and then when we're having conversations, acronyms are being used or phrases that you wouldn't know unless you served, right? And and they're very cognizant and aware of it like 99% of the time. Every now and then I've got to be like, hey, team, for the civilians over here, what does that mean? You know, so I use... Um, humor 
to kind of break the ice on things and ask questions. Um, sometimes they are questions I have personally, or sometimes I just ask questions so that, because I know other people are thinking about it. So that's mm -hmm. one thing I do regularly. Like we have an all hands call with our entire company every other week, right? And everyone goes, each um, team goes through their major updates. And every now and then people get down into the weeds of their team using their acronyms and knowing the day in and day out. But, you know, cross-functionally, not everyone might know what all those things are. So instead of waiting for people to ask questions, I'll take the initiative and ask what I know to be a question from someone out there. Um, so I do that a lot. I challenge people, you know, come prepared, like I said, come prepared with solutions and options and, you know, desire that desire being one of those people that comes with creativity to make an impact um, to making things better, as opposed to being the individual that's always pointing out where, where things are off or wrong. Right. Um, that's just negative solution, energy. Solution-based. Yeah. Solution, positive energy. I encourage that. And then, you know, finding some advocates and making the time and asking people for some help along the way. There's nothing wrong with it. Whether it's someone who wants a little coaching on management or someone who wants tips on how to be a better speaker or someone who's trying to learn the tech better. What is a, what's a course or a certification they should go get after? There's always opportunities to continue ed education. And the more educated you are about what you're doing or who you're, you're working with, um, the, the better you'll feel, right. Yeah. You'll have, more, you'll I have feel that like that's more confidence, right? Like you, you pour into your confidence, like, you know, bowl or whatever, uh, the more prepared or the more, you know, about something. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think too, like you mentioned a little bit offline that you help instill, you know, a program for maternity leave. And mm -hmm. I feel like to get anything done like that in a big company, especially one that I'm started by three men, like they're not going to think about, Oh, this is what you know, if we hired a woman, like a woman, this is what they would need if they decide yeah. to have children. So, so how has that experience been? Yeah, it was actually cool. So it wasn't necessarily thought about until I, um, about a year and a half in, had to share with the three guys that I had had my first miscarriage, mm. which is a little awkward, but I needed them to know because I had to take a couple of days. And um, it was very shortly after that, that I got a framework from um, my late boss saying, hey, I pulled this, can, can you run this down? And it was very basic outline of a maternity leave policy. It was really cool. That sounds like a wonderful boss. They're, they're yeah, like, oh, yeah. There's, a, there's a gap in here. I need to <laughs> fix this. Hey, can you, can we just get your, your knowledge? <laughs> So it was really neat. I worked with him on a couple uh, for a couple months on it. We have what I think a very great policy um, based on you know what I've experienced in my past and what I would hope people would be attracted to for for joining Second Front. Um, essentially, 12, 12 weeks and then a ramp up um, of thirty days that you get to work with your manager to determine how you come back, so mm -hmm. to speak, um, which is great. I think enabling a little bit more of a of a choice and flexibility will will breed um some synergistic things that might not otherwise come to fruition in uh a working in working relationships as as people go through uh you know a, a leave for for welcoming a child 
I mean, and for me, I mean, wonderful. it's crazy. I, I set this policy not knowing, you know, I was planning on using it when I was pregnant with my second, but I ended up having um, my second came 10 weeks early. So I actually wow. needed to not only use the policy that I had worked with, um, with my former boss, but he had also already put into uh, place short-term disability. So it was able to bridge some of that time over as well which was really cool. Um, now that just happened. Um, I know that's not how it always happens at places, but I was fortunate enough to have such sound relationships on the team that they cared enough about, you know, me personally and everyone else that was joining to make sure that we had these things in place to, you know, be there for, for our people. It really sounds like the relationships uh, that you build with coworkers and, and so on and so forth has really just helped um, I would say put you and get you to where you are like right, right now like just because I think you just you, in this entire interview you kind of just keep referring back to like how important those relationships are and just being who you are and you know really taking into account the you know you know even like going back to your feedback uh statement of just you know reaffirming after you get your feedback hey I'm fixing this hey it did it did it work for you like I'm understanding you know, this was a pain point, blah, blah, blah. So all of that is relationship building. Um, to wrap mm -hmm. up the interview a little bit more, I always like to leave our audience with action items, like mm -hmm. things that maybe they can kind of think of themselves um, or even just thought processes. So I would definitely like to know um, for anybody who's considering getting into anything that they feel like is intimidating, like any, any job, any situation, yeah. any person that they're intimidated by, um, what are some steps or some things that you think of right off the bat to help boost you up to where you may not be as intimidated or that intimidation leaves mm -hmm. altogether? So first and foremost, the research component, right? Educating yourself, reading things, listening to things. I mean, every day I'm trying to either listen to a podcast or read something or reread, get get a new article, et cetera. Um, writing your thoughts down, what it is that you think, asking yourself those tough questions, like what are your personal goals? How do you want to feel about going through whatever process or thing that you're trying to accomplish and tackle? And then, you know, with the reading and the writing, then comes the conversations, asking for people's time um, and being very specific about what you need from them. Do you want to hear about their experiences? Do you want their advice? Do you want them to tell you what steps, kind of what you just asked me, what steps did they take while they were going through something similar? Um, because once you, once you gather that data, write some things down and have a couple of conversations, you're going to know a little bit more about where you sit and where, for lack of a better word here, gap, is for for where you are and where you want to go and then you know as time progresses and you continue to have those conversations and educate yourself and write things out you'll eventually start filling that gap and bridging yourself from you know point a to point b so to speak yeah that kind of actually did you ever run into imposter syndrome at all in this entire process oh my gosh i probably had it last week i was at south by southwest um, I was in a room with, you know, decorated veterans and officers and with a couple of my coworkers who have been doing this, you know, 
decades, right? Um, every now and then it does loom over me and I have to shake it off a little bit or, um, you know, I'm close enough with coworkers that they'll give me a nudge or a wink and say like, you got this, you're good. Don't, you know, shake it off kind of thing. Um, it's important to get nervous, right? You don't, there's a difference between being cocky and having confidence, right? Um, so I think confidence under that there, there is this nervousness which I think is good because the hope is, I think, at least from my perspective, it slows you down a little bit, makes you think about what you're going to say before you actually say it, um, and and allows you a little bit more space and, and room to determine how you might want that engagement to go down. Do you practice any self-talk to mitigate like this, the, the times in which that imposter syndrome starts flaring up? Yeah, I'll... Um, I mean, yeah, I do some affirmation stuff, I guess. I think the number one thing I do, I'll call my husband. It's He's very so, important to have a supportive partner. I cannot. I, I yeah, I got to be careful how much I talk about him because sometimes uh, it'll just make me cry. He is so wonderful um, in knowing what it is that I need to hear based on where he knows that I am, right? Sometimes it is a hug and a kiss on the forehead and you're going to be Okay. Most of the time it's, honey, you got this. Like, go, get get over it, move on. You're thinking about it too much. Like, you're good. Um, he has this phrase. It's actually funny because my four-year-old repeats it all the time. But every now and then when he, when he hears me working at something in my office or um, he knows that I just got off the phone and having a tough negotiation or conversation, I'll walk out of my office and I'll hear him screaming from upstairs. He'll just go, yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that is the cutest thing that's it in Two the words. World. Oh it, it's so great and it honestly it's like one of the biggest like huh that's right I got this like that's all I need to hear sometimes you know so sometimes it isn't from within you obviously want to find that and have that discipline right to to bring yourself up but it's okay to be reliant on on others that care and love you and support you and and know that you can level up um and be called up regularly right it's gotta be you gotta be coachable <laughs> yeah you gotta be coachable there you go but it also helps to have such a supportive team because the thing is is like you can't you're right you can't do this alone there's only so much self-talk you can get but sometimes that's not enough and sometimes you do need someone to be like yo you you actually do have this yeah girl you got it yeah, yeah girl <laughs> Oh my God. I love that. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast of and just sharing your story with us and your tips. I mean, I know it's inspiring yourselves for anybody to go after things that they want in their lives, but I know it can be especially intimidating when you know, there's not very many people um, like you already right. there. So you're blazing a trail and that's, that can be a little scary. So thanks for giving some words of wisdom there. Of course. Thank you for having me, Heather. I appreciate of it. Of course. Until next time, Slay Nation. We'll catch you later.